In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You're advised that any views expressed by the hosts or their guests are not necessarily the views of Tuggy Entertainment or its partners. Girlfriend, here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. Girlfriended is all about helping you become self-aware, not self-involved. The aim is to provide information that relates to life, which leads to real connections and results in a desire to connect or care for those in need. The Girlfriended principle was born out of loss. Patty's mother was murdered, and Lisa lost her mother to cancer. This forged a bond between them that nothing could shake. And now the women want to help you in more ways than you can count every day. From the website, GirlfriendIt.com, and the movement, GirlfriendIt, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on Toginet.com. So our question for today is, do our choices matter? Well, I think the obvious answer is yes, our choices matter. (laughs) Okay, so actually the question really is, how do I know how to make choices that will give me the results that I'm seeking? I think that is a better question. I think you chose wisely on that question. (laughs) (laughs) I like my choices. Yes, of course you do. Well, before we get too far into our show, you are listening to Girlfriend at Radio with Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan, where we rally you to do the remarkable through resources and relationships, and we're going to have more information about our show today and other tips and tricks that are up our sleeves on our website at girlfriendit.com. And you can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. But talking about choices, I know this this is a mom is it story thing. time. This is story time because um, it's kind of funny because there was a time when I dropped Garrett off and he he's a, he was a teenager and he got out of the car and he started walking over to all of his friends and Kaylee, my daughter and I were in the car and we scream out, actually we being me. I was going to say, <laughs> I can't imagine out, Kaylee doing she this. She did follow up on it. I, I said, Garrett, make good choices. You really did not. And, um, you know, just to humiliate him because that's what moms are supposed to do. It really is our job because that gives them tough, you know, tough skin and what, what doesn't harm you or what is it? What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Well, besides you love it way too much. <laughs> and so Kaylee started saying, yes, make good choices. And and so that's an ongoing joke now because what Kaylee thought was so funny at the time, um, now she gets that same kind of treatment when she gets out. If I drop her off at school and there's, you know, her friends are standing around. I love to humiliate them and yell that out. And so when they walk out the door, I always say, rock your world, let your light shine and make good choices. But it's interesting because I think a lot of parents say that to their kids, make good choices. But if you haven't prepped your kids and given them the right tools, how do they even know how to make the good choices? And, and that's some of the conversations I have, you know, when I'm d- doing youth camp, when I work with teenagers, um, when they're talking about, oh, some boy did this and he's a jerk. And, and you you walk it through and you talk with them and you realize, okay, they don't even know the correct behavior. They've never had, they've never been prepped by a parent to go, guess what? That isn't the appropriate response to a girl. That isn't how you treat a girl. And so they have a harder time making good choices Mm -hmm. because that's what's been modeled to them is that kind of behavior. And so we really have to stop and go, how am I modeling the behavior? How am I giving my kids, and, and not just kids, I'm saying just in life, how am I even giving myself the right tools to make good choices? Well, you're, you're right, because it's not enough to say, 
go make wise choices like you scream out the window. Yes. Um, <laughs> we really do have to have those conversations before that where you're giving them resources and tools and, and tips and tricks, like we say, so they know, okay, this is how I do it. And this is, and, and I think a lot of times we don't even know what a good decision looks like. Yeah. We can't distinguish between a good decision, bad decision, because it can be really relative mm-hmm. and um, situational. So I, I think, you know, absolutely having those conversations, and this is, goes back to what we talked about last last week on the radio about, you know, with your kids, just guiding them through and communicating what's a, what's appropriate, what's not appropriate, you know, for them. And but, prepping ahead of time to mm-hmm, know mm-hmm. if you are teaching them and, and um, talking about it, giving them different conversations so that the prep time is huge. It really is. Okay, talk about prep time. This is going to go random, but, you know, I know you can follow me, and I know our listeners can because they're used to us by now. I'm kind of taking a scenic turn to a, a current event that kind of goes along with the prepping and the choices, yeah. but it's all about making a moment, and we've had this conversation because we both love experiencing the moments. Yeah. We don't want to miss yeah. a moment, everything. We want to seize it and squeeze it, but um, it, it's really cool because... Seize it and squeeze it. I haven't heard the squeeze part. That's, that's I'm going to squeeze it right now. <laughs> Because it was seized, and now I'm going to squeeze. <laughs> squeeze it all okay. out. I like it. Well, my my son and daughter-in-law, they have three kids. And, and they my son and daughter-in-law, as you know, love the Yankees. I mean, like, drip, passionate Yankees yes, all the way. Yes, so they do. They're- all three of their kids have a middle name that is a Yankee name. So there's Gavin Mattingly. Madsen Jeter and Adeline Ruth. That, all the things. That's yes. all about squeezing it. That's, squeezing and that's a, a name. total <laughs> squeezing a name. So what was really cool is living in Arizona, we have we're right in the middle of spring training. And so there's so many teams and we have so many fields here. We're mm-hmm. home to a lot of, you know, um, a lot of teams spring training. So the Dodgers now were here in town uh, a couple weeks ago. And their head coach is Don Mattingly, who is the namesake of our oldest grandson, Gavin Mattingly. My son, Jeremy, when he was little, I guess Don, I don't know much about baseball. I should. Don Mattingly, I guess, was the first baseman for the Yankees. And my son fell in love with baseball because of Don Mattingly. Aww. Loved him, loved him, loved him. Loved baseball, loved the Yankees. So then when he has his first son, he names, you know, Mattingly. So, um, he was given four tickets to go right, uh, like front row, because somebody knew that you know Don Mattingly would be there with Gavin. So uh, they take Gavin, my son and daughter-in-law, take Gavin to this game, spring training game, hoping to see Don Mattingly, you know, and hoping to get a picture. They're hoping, but what what's cool about the story? So many times we we hope for a moment to happen, yeah. and then we sit back and go, I wish it would happen, yeah. and we're just kind of there. Well, they made it happen because Michelle, I love her sense of humor. She made a sign. And I can't remember what it said, something to Don Mattingly to get his attention, a poster to hold up. You have to be willing to be embarrassed a little bit and to kind of stand out in the crowd. So she makes a sign to get his attention. They go down by the dugout. So they get there early before the game so they can maybe see him. So before the game, they get there. And and Jeremy goes up to Don Mattingly and just says, and, and Michelle has the sign. Yes. They <laughs> and, really prepped for it. Oh, they, they really did. prepped. They totally prepped. And they have a camera, you know, ready to take pictures. And they have, oh, and they prepped Gavin. So if you get to meet him, this is what you say to him. So they get down there. Jeremy actually 
gets Don Mattingly's attention. He sees the sign and he says, I just got to tell you, you were so influential in me loving the game of baseball and the Yankees. And I, we have named, explain the story. We named our kids after Yankees. And here's my son, Gavin, who's four years old and his middle name is Mattingly. And, and Gavin had on his Mattingly shirt oh, with the number, yes, had Mattingly yes. with the number, Yankee shirt. So um, Don- and this is where Don goes and gets security? Well, exactly. <laughs> they are stalking, yes. So Don says, he reaches over and he shakes Gavin's hand. He says, it is so nice to meet you. And Gavin says, it is very nice to meet you too. He'd been prepped. Yes. Four-year-old prepped what to say. So it was really cool. They're having that moment. So Michelle's now getting a picture of my son and Gavin and Don Mattingly. They're all together and they're smiling. So then Don goes to Jeremy, do you have a ball for me to sign? And then Jeremy hadn't prepped that part. He goes, I don't. So Don Mattingly goes into the dugout, has somebody throw him a ball, a baseball, and he signs it to Gavin Mattingly, all the best, Don Mattingly. Wow. And gives him this ball. Now, now Gavin has no idea the significance of this moment. He will Mm -hmm. in the years to come. For Jeremy, it rocked his world. First of all, this guy that he's always kind of idolized and helped him significant his love for baseball and Yankees is the real deal. Yeah. This Don Mattingly was a jerk. Oh my gosh, yeah. he was the nice, and he even said, stay around after the game and come on the field, but they couldn't. Yeah. But it was one of those, Total he was, class the, oh, told. but the point of the story, I know a lot of details, but it's like, you got to prepare for the moment. You yeah. got to make it happen. When you see a potential for a moment, what is your role in that to make sure it can happen? Well, and, and since we already went on a sidetrack, I want to follow up with, I love that they prepped Gavin because once again, I mean, we, we've all been there when you've seen kids be rude or disrespectful to adults. I look back on that. And and sometimes even my own children where like I just this weekend, we had a big family gathering and I have to tell my child, okay, you will say, Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Yes, sir. No, sir. You That's know, such a southern thing too. It is such a. Southern I was raised thing, that way too. But in my household with my father, you will say yes, sir. No, sir. Yes. So it's prepping them, um, and I and I think so many times we we don't prep them, but then we we look at their response and we go, I can't believe my child is so rude, or I can't believe that their behavior is so out of control. And it's like, okay, parent. What part did you prep them in? Yep. Even as as simple as with Gavin. Okay, if you get a chance to meet him, this is what you need to say. Because all of a sudden, yeah, you're, you're looking at it from an adult perspective going, I can't believe my son didn't say anything or he stared at the ground or, you know, it's like they didn't know what to say. And, and that's providing the tools so we can better make those choices that are going to be significant in our life because those around us and give us some cool moments, some, some, some good decisions, give us cool moments in life. Absolutely. Okay. So let's go with some some simple tips because we talked about prepping. So how do we choose wisely? Well, how do do how we do choose? do? I think the first thing is to think about what you were doing before you do it. Just like what they did, even though that was a really cool thing that you know Jeremy and Michelle that they they knew they were going to experience. So think it through. And like you said, he didn't bring the baseball, but it was really cool because Don grabbed a baseball for him. But to be able to get the poster and to be able to you know go there early and in so many times when we're in a situation that you might be emotionally evoked, think about what you're doing before you all of a sudden just, just respond, which I think that goes into the second tip would be avoid rash decisions. Do not respond out of feeling. And that is so hard because in the, in the, the emotion and heat of the moment, you want to say something so bad or Mm -hmm. you want to make a decision, but you, then you realize that was a, 
that was an emotional decision that really wasn't very rational. You'll find yourself apologizing. Yes, exactly. So step back and just let the moment kind of cool down before you make any life-changing decisions. We've even gone off of you and I, when we're making even leadership decisions, we go, let's wait 24 hours. Let's pray about it for 24 hours. So instead of just hopping into it, and you're much better about that, being patient with it than I am. I want to resp- I want it off my plate. I know you and, do. And then you go into, okay, don't let anger go down, you know, with the sun. There's, there's ways to, you can argue that point, but you do also. Sometimes give, space is good. Give the anger up to the Lord and then move forward without making a, a rash decision. Okay, another one is do not overthink everything. Yes, that can cause stress. It's just bad for you. That's bad news. Bad for you. (laughs) Okay, and then the last one we would say is trust yourself. Go with your gut. So many times we have that gut, gut feeling and we know. Well, as we know, life is the sum of all of our choices and we live with that. So stay with us. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll be talking with Dale Fincher, talking about choices and living fully human. We'll be right back. This is Girlfriend on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. My husband and I were in youth ministry and knew nothing about church planning. But as we felt God leading us to start a new church, we were connected with Stadia. They gave us coaching and personal care, giving us the confidence that we needed. They even have a ministry called Bloom that's designed to support me as a lead planner spouse. We now lead a church in Cleveland, Ohio that's transforming lives, and we couldn't have done it without Stadia. Stadia brings people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. For more information, go to stadia.cc. Are you happy with your life? Satisfied with the direction you're taking? More importantly, are you content with the results you're seeing? Then Success Profiles Radio is the program for you. Join host Brian K. Wright as he talks to experts in many areas relating to life success, including expertise in leadership, business, relationships, careers, networking, health, overcoming adversity, and much more. Each week, we'll explore different aspects of success and how to apply them to your life. For more on Brian and the show, check out his website, briankwright.com. Each week is a dose of inspiration. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. Success Profiles Radio is a show that will clearly demonstrate the principle, if I can do it, you can do it. So don't miss this opportunity to take control of your life and your results. Success Profiles Radio with Brian K. Wright. Mondays at 5 p.m. Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a bug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Welcome back to our show today. And our special guest now that we want to introduce to you is 
Dale Fincher. Well, Dale, along with his wife, Jonalyn, have written three books between them, Ruby Slippers, Living with Questions, and Coffee Shop Conversations. And, you know, I always love to know how somebody started, you know, they've started Solation. I always like to know the background. And the background on this is in the summer of 2004, during a road trip across the USA, they stopped in a little cafe in Washington, D.C., and they brainstormed a whistle name for soul work, and the word that they landed on was Solation. I love Solation. I do. I love that word. And their mission is to help people become more fully human. So we are excited to talk again with Dale Fincher here in Girlfriend at Radio. So welcome, Dale, to our show. Hello, Dale. Thank you. It's good to be here. You guys are my favorite. Uh, well, you're one of ours. We just always so enjoy gaining tips and wisdom and insights you're from you. You're a good girlfriend to have, Dale, we must say. <laughs> yes, I, I really appreciate I'm growing my hair out. So I <laughs> Hey, well, we just want you um, to kind of give us a little background on why you chose the topic that we want to kind of dive into today, which is about being and living fully human and all the decisions that kind of go. We were talking about choices earlier, and we do have to make so many choices living in our humanness. So can you kind of expand on that living fully human? Sure. Yeah, I and in some ways, it's it's a revolutionary idea, and in another way, it's uh, it's the oldest idea in the scripture. Uh, when God made humans, He said that He made us in His image, and not only in His image, but we were full and complete and very good. So mm-hmm. something happened, and um, something about our humanity uh, has been scarred and broken. And um, when Jesus comes along and offers us good news that we can know God again and have a front seat um, before his face and that he gives us that access and that he is going to change us from the inside out, turn our heart of stone into hearts of flesh. He is remaking us as the humans he designed us to be, each one of us unique and each one of us reflecting God uniquely. We each splash a little bit of a different picture of what God is like in the world, and since God is infinite, there are infinite ways we can reflect him. Hmm. How, so, you you've kind you kind of said it, but how is that different from just being alive? What can we as humans? <laughs> how can you be fully well, human? Yeah, I mean it, it's different than just being alive. I mean, I remember that in Braveheart. There's that uh, that great line where you know uh, the, the father says to the son to the young Braveheart, to young William Wallace, he says, uh, "All men die, but not all men really live." And I, I think that is, is really the heart of this thing. Are, if we're not growing more fully human, are we actually alive? Not just in the, I mean, we could talk about biology all day long, but biology is not as interesting as, as what it means to um, engage in healthy relationships, to learn to love people you don't even know, to learn to see the world as a place just loaded and loaded with meaning from nature and the trees and, you know, and, and, the, and the birds that sing in the fields and the fresh air and the mountains or on the beaches, but also the way we see each other um, interact, you know, the, the beauty of having, you know, walking with a child holding your hand and uh, the, the understanding of living in, in community and, and working on economics and, you know, we're, we're saving money, we're planning for our futures, we're carving out places in this world of, of, and creating with God things that are beautiful and true and worth doing and worth living for and ultimately worth dying for. And that's what it really means to be alive, to come alive. And to be more fully human is the only way that we can experience that and the only way we can engage God um, in what he has for us. 
And, you know, on that, engaging God, I, I love that because so many times um, we we don't do that and we don't expect God. We don't expect God to show up. We might pray, but just the, the faith that's there to really say, okay, God, I'm begging you to show up here. And then do you really expect him to, to follow through? What, what are some tips that to, to be more human that you share with a lot of your, um, just the people that you are pouring into. Sure. And, you know, oftentimes, um, the tips sometimes find, find, sounds like it may be too small, but, uh, there, there are things that, that we can, we can do. I mean, it's, it's, you're developing a whole lifestyle. It, it's not like we're, um, not like you're just, you're going along with life and then you just kind of Velcro some Jesus onto you and then, uh, and then you're like, oh good, I have some Jesus, but I'm doing my life thing and Jesus is kind of here. Mm-hmm. Jesus is inviting us into his kind of life. And, and when we examine, you know, how he walks about in the Gospels and how he talks to people and treats people and, and, and the way he thinks about the world, the way he thinks about his, how his father is always there. I mean, I, God is always in our lives, whether we like it or not. He is, he's always present. And he's always doing things. And we may not see most of it. Oswald Chambers says, uh, who wrote that devotional, My Empress for His Highest, he says, it is God's mercy that we do not see all the, uh, the effects that, and, and good effects we have on, in the world, because uh, in our heads we get so big that we would think that we were, we were more important than, uh, maybe what God is up to. But, um, but, but I think we, it's learning to be aware that God is always here. That's one part of it. You know, understanding the scripture is a huge part of this. This is how God has, chosen to reveal himself. This is how he wants to be known. It's not just, you know, reading it to get to know God, but he is saying, this is how I want you to know me, and I want you to know me in this beautiful way. Um, I, I'm afraid m- many, many Christians aren't quite sure what the Bible is saying in general, and we depend a lot on uh, books about the Bible, and, you know, we'll, we'll go to a lot of Bible studies and hear uh, somebody tell us what the Bible is saying. But good Bible tools of how to read the Bible, I think, is um, often lost for many of us. And they're, they're very accessible, and they're available if we, if we put the time in. I, and that is a huge, if we want to call it a tip, a, a huge tip on understanding mm-hmm. how God thinks about the world and what he wants for us. Mm-hmm. I think another great tip uh, um, underlying what you said when, you know, basically how, how big is, is God? You said something like, are, are we more important than what God is up to? And I think we, <clears throat> we put God in a box where we can take God out when we are sitting in church, when we're in a pew, when we're doing something spiritual, maybe even listening to the Christian radio station or something. Right, but, then, right. but then we go to work or then we go do something else. And it's like we put God back in the box. And I thought it was interesting, uh, just a couple weekends ago, we were, Lisa and I were speaking. In, in Texas, we met this gal, and she said, I w- was with a girlfriend, and they had just dropped some mushrooms, and I think that's the right lingo. I was trying to say that, like, really cool, like I knew it, but I don't know if it was. <laughs> I'm glad you don't are you know talk, Are you talking about, do you mean doing drugs or actually eating just some port- portobellos? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it wasn't the portobello. I think, uh, I think you drop acid. I think you swallow mushrooms. So she was, um, they decided to get high. How's that? <laughs> there we go. <laughs> and go to the movies. So she ended up going to see Lion King. And in her state of mind of being really high, she there was a part where Mufasa tells Simba that, 
I know who you are. And she said she felt that God literally was grabbing her face and, and saying, I know who you are and you're, you're not this person, this, you know, how she saw herself, this horrible person who's done horrible things. And, I, I think that's so interesting because you cannot put God in a box. God is the God of the universe. And guess what? He's going to talk to you at any state that you're in. You're going to, it's just wherever you look, there's God. And when you said that, it's like God is everywhere. He's with you, whether you like it or not. We have a tendency to think we can choose when, when God is with us or not. That's right. And God is, we often say God is a gentleman. He doesn't force his, his way on you. Um, and, until things get to the, the very bitter end. But that's such a great example. And I love that moment in, in the, in that movie and in the, the show. You know, remember who you are. And, and that I think is what the echo of the gospel is. Don't forget who you are. And this is mm-hmm. God's story and he's, and he's the playwright and we are actors on his stage and he is the director. And it's, it's amazing that we get to be on the stage with him. And uh, we often say that, you know, people will say, well, I'm only human to, you know, explain away all their defects. But the reality is, is that you are human and it's your brokenness that is the flawed part. It's not your humanity that's the flawed part. And God wants to remind us that we are made in his image out of the most beautiful love you can imagine. And he's doing everything he can to bring us back to that so we know we are loved, so we can learn to be ourselves again. So we don't have to depend on drugs or sex or even, you know, going through all the Christian rituals that we think make us closer to God. But we, we can meet God exactly where we are with his extended arms. Well, and like you said, it all goes back to the relationship. And we were created in the beginning of time for relationship with God. And so how do we, you know, I think a lot of times we forget about the relationship piece and that God really delights in us. I know as women, you know, when we, when we're sharing with women, we say God delights in you. And we forget that because we get so busy in our roles and our responsibilities and, and just, um, the hectic pace of life and the chaos around us. And we forget that God is just looking at us delightfully. And we need to remind ourselves, especially as women, that, we are delightful because you just hear of so much shame and brokenness and disappointment that just is such a huge part of so many women's lives. And they just need to be reminded of that. And in our humanness, remind that God loves us in that place. And we don't have mm-hmm. to, um, you know, arrive. It's just in that place. God leans into us or, and reaches out. Or have results. I think for women, um, especially in this culture, we need to be busy. We need to do these great, fabulous things for the Lord, or we're going to be less than God's not going, he's not going to delight in us if we aren't out here saving the world or, you know, doing all these things that we, we think we need to be doing rather than going, no, God, God loves you no matter what. He just wants to have that relationship. Well, we only have a minute, Dale, before we go into a, a commercial break. So any any thoughts on changing the world with that, that last sentence? <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you look at the scripture, you see that most of the people that God uses the best are people who are broken, who have done dastardly things. You have Moses and David who are murderers. You have Paul who was a murderer. And but, but God met them in those moments and said, you are vessels that I will use. Just turn it over to me, and we're going to do great things together. 
And you know, if that's where we want to go, when we come back, we want to talk about just in our brokenness, how God uses us, how he, you know, through that experience, profound things can happen. So I love just this whole thing of becoming fully human. It really is a great adventure and it's one that requires us to grow and to, and to really stretch ourselves and step outside of our comfort zone. So we just encourage you to stay with us. We're going to continue our adventure when we come right back with Dale Fincher talking about being fully human and letting God delight in us. We'll be right back. This is Girlfriend on Toginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on GirlfriendIt.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend It. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend It Radio right after these. We were thriving in a youth ministry when God clearly called us out of our Bible Belt comfort zone to plant a church in California. Stadia's 90-plus percent success rate gave us all the confidence we needed. They also cared for us through amazing support networks to encourage us like Bloom, a one-of-a-kind ministry for planters' wives. It's here I find deep friendships with like-minded gals who want to change lives. Stadia brings people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. For more information, go to stadia.cc. In today's business world, a helping hand or idea that doesn't come with an invoice is a treasured find. And if that happens to you, then you need to pay it forward to keep other entrepreneurs from making mistakes or getting a raw deal. It's called Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi. Wednesday mornings at 10, 9 a.m. Central. Josephine is going to have the guests describe their accomplishments, the lessons they've learned, both good and bad, and then sharing those pieces of knowledge as we create a movement of Paying It Forward. For more information about Josephine, her business, and background, you can go to MyMomKnowsBest.com. Josephine Girasi has always been a problem solver. She saw this need and has turned it into a movement. It's Paying It Forward with tips, tools, and advice, and hard lessons learned. These pieces of knowledge can make a huge difference for you, your business, and others. So join us for Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi, Wednesday mornings at 10 a.m., 9 a.m. Central, on Doginet.com. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. to our show. We are chatting with Dale Fincher, founder of Solation, and the vision of Solation is that they exist to help people integrate all areas of the human experience, social, cultural, and spiritual. And by validating the whole person, male and female, Solation overturns false perspectives and rejuvenates imagination with biblical literacy and intellectual clarity. And part of that clarity is understanding our humanness involves pain, which we we run from at all costs, all the time, but we are all broken, broken, and we live with disappointments, challenges, and failures, etc. So, why does God want broken people? And we went into the commercial break. I'm having like this, like <laughs> it's like my lips are like moving in my mouth. But um, we went into 
natural break. <laughs> Too much caffeine. I'm going faster than what my mouth can do. Um, uh, talking about why does God want broken people? And um, I, I guess one of the things would be, Dale, that I don't know if I've ever met someone who's not broken. So, but, I, yeah, that's right. I think that's it. <laughs> but we I mean, use God, brokenness. But we use our brokenness as an excuse to not let God use us. So talk about the brokenness part, because that, that is really sure, a yeah. big deal to so many people. Yeah, I, mean, I think God uses the vessels that are available to him. And every vessel that comes to him is a, is that we're just a broken, shattered um, wreck. And uh, some of us look better on the outside than others. There's no doubt about that. But, you know, our, part of um, this is like the Tower of Babel problem. You know, after uh, Adam and Eve sinned, and, you know, they're kicked out of the Garden of Eden. Just a few chapters later, you see, after, you know, the flood, you see this tower that they want to build up to heaven. And there's this sense that in humanity, we kind of want to hide and, and try to hide from God and from each other as well as from ourselves. Just how messed up we really are. So we create these, like, structures in our lives to, to create, you know, semblances of order and to make it look as though everything is going well. I mean, you know, makeup, the whole makeup industry is, you know, partly that idea. We can, you know, hide the... I guess I'm speaking as a man, just looking in on the whole experience. But um, <laughs> let's not like go with the... makeup, okay, Dale? We're not taking makeup away. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't take it away. You're not taking it away. But it's, it's, we, we use it to cover some of you know, things that we don't like about ourselves. Yes. And some of us don't like certain things about ourselves that are, might be lovely, but we just decided we don't like them. We may not like a scar that's on our cheek because it doesn't fit the aesthetic, but it may be a beautiful part of your story and something that people need to hear about. And and our our lives are like that. The struggles that we have, you know, wh- whether there are temptations to sin with like greed and lust and fear, which you know is, comes out in procrastination and in perfectionism, and these things, you know, they leak out of us all over the place. But we try to build up uh, a certain orderliness so that we don't have to face them or talk about them. Because if mm-hmm. you can't see them, then I can pretend I can't see them, and then we'll just, you know, maybe God can't see them either. But who we are and being honest about who we are, where we're at, what we struggle with is the beginning because that's the material that God wants to use in our lives and we carry that to him. Well, it's interesting um, talking about that pain and, and all of the woundedness that comes out uh, with Lisa and I, since we deal with a lot of um, strippers and as we see them um, just being able to form a relationship with Christ, one thing that we have noticed is it seems like the deeper and darker that you've been involved with sin, the more on an emotional level that you need Jesus. And this has been interesting to to both of us growing up in Christian homes to realize that they, from the minute they get out of bed, they want to experience Jesus to that level that it's, it rotates on grace and the emotion. And it, Sometimes the balance of the biblical truth and the laws of Abraham, like to form that to really equal truth. So I think it's important for people to know that in when they're super wounded, that they're going to struggle a little bit more with um, uh, what's the, just that they, they, they expect more of that in and, and they work off of emotion. Did that make sense? Experiential. A lot of it. Yeah, yeah. put that on an in- yeah. intellectual. Put that into an intellectual sentence, <laughs> would you, Dale? And I, I, I wait. This is going to be good. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know. I think we all struggle in different things because some some person you know who who may have found themselves you know really on the in, in the gutter, um, they they will have certain temptations and struggles that are different from those of us who may have you know like we've kind of grown up in an ivory palace. I mean, 
the sins of pride are no worse, I should say, are no, are no better to have than the sins mm-hmm. of, of lust or of, of anger. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I think that um, if Jesus says he, he doesn't come for the ones who think they're healthy. He came for the ones who know they're sick. And, but we know he came for all of us, so he's kind of implying that we're all sick, but we have to know the depth of how sick we really are. We are all very tempted to do some, some dastardly things to hide, to hide from others, to hide from ourselves, to twist who we are, to manipulate. I mean, when I work, work with people in the business world, it's amazing how much the negotiation that, that is required to do a contract how much manipulation, you know, you've seen the politics every day, how much manipulation is involved behind the scene to try to position mm-hmm. yourself in such a way that you can get the best deal possible. And I tell you, there are a lot of lies and deceit floating around in the name of doing what is right and what is good. And those sometimes are the, the worst, because uh, hypocrisy is one of the worst kinds of sin. It's uh, The hypocrisy is of um, vices, paying homage to virtue. So in other words, you're doing bad things, but you're trying to dress them up as good things and then playing them out. This mm-hmm. was the number one thing Jesus attacked in his ministry were the vices of hypocrisy. And those were the Pharisees that were walking about. They said, you look, you look all great on the outside, but you're devouring widows' homes. Who wants to be accused of that? I'd rather be a stripper and a prostitute than be accused of devouring a widow's yeah. homes. But mm-hmm. we don't think of it in those terms. And I think that's what we have to come to terms with. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, we talked about the question, why does God want broken people? And I, um, you know, Patty shared that we work with a lot of women that find themselves in the sex industry. And mm-hmm. one of some of the common characteristics are, is there brokenness? Is there shame? Is abuse? There's just this pattern that goes along with it. But the refreshing part for us is in the midst of their brokenness, they know they're broken. And a lot of times they are so real because they have nothing to hide anymore. And they will... Mm-hmm. And it's refreshing because you know exactly what you're dealing with. I mean, they will, once they feel like they can trust you, they will just lay it all out there um, and just expose it. They've been exposing themselves physically, and, and once they trust you, they'll expose themselves, you know, emotionally. And there's a part of that that is very refreshing because so many times, when, and just in in the the Christian culture or just in our society, you look around and you don't even know what you're really dealing with. You don't even know really what's like you said behind that image, behind all the masking. And people are very guarded and very stoic, and they won't reveal the brokenness. They hide it, like you said. We hide from each other and we hide from God. So there is something refreshing about the brokenness. I think when we get in that broken state and we'll admit that we're in that broken state, I think that's when God can really come in and do some healing and do some amazing things. And you referenced earlier like David and some of the great people of the Bible. It was in their brokenness and through their brokenness that God really used them. Oh, it, it, I, I will. I a hearty amen to the. <laughs> To that, it is so refreshing when the broke, when broken people live in their brokenness and they share it. It gives all of us permission then to be like, oh, oh yeah, that's actually me too. But you're the one that you know put it out there. Um, I encourage anybody to go to an AA meeting and hear the confessions that have been repeated over and over and over again. Because there's a certain conviction that's happening happening because it's it's not being pointed at you like, well, what did you do wrong? You need to talk about it. It is this is what I did wrong, and then suddenly there's. There's almost like this mirror being held up to you where you're like, oh, my gosh, that's me, too. And I want to be free like that guy. I want Mm -hmm. nothing to hide. But we only know, we only get to a point where we have nothing to hide when we feel that we, when we know and feel that we are absolutely loved and that we belong. 
And there's only one place where that love and that belonging can begin, and it has to be on a rock that is strong enough that it will not betray and will not fail us. Mm-hmm. And that is why the love of God is so important for any of us to start to, to be, the transformation out of a brokenness to become a vessel that um, is shining a light in the midst of this darkness. Broken vessels, you know, they have all these cracks and holes in them, and, and when the light gets inside the vessel and starts shining out through the cracks, that is, you know, it, it'll illuminate a whole room, and it becomes something mm-hmm. uh, beautiful to look at. I love that. I, that was a, a nice illustration. I Going back to the AA meeting, I think mm-hmm. it's interesting because, well, first of all, I really struggle. I don't know why. Lately, when I, uh, I've heard people say, you know, hi, I'm Patty, and I'm an alcoholic, I, it bothers me that that's their identity. I mean, they're saying, and mm. I'm an alcoholic. I know there's a reason for it, I'm sure. But um, going back to that, though, it's interesting because um, we had a girlfriend that invited us to the, um, what is the one when you're addicted to drugs? It's not AA. It's um, NA, Narcotics Anonymous. It must be NA. And she was, when I was asking her to come to church, she would say, I'm not ready for church yet. She was more you know, wanting to continue to go to the NA than she was, which I get that. But I, it, it really resonated with me that that is where people are going to accept you. That is exactly like what you were saying, where you're there safe going, place. it's so safe. No one's going to judge me. And I, I want what they're having because they're up there and they're, they're, they're sharing and they're free from this or they're, you know, they're, they're sharing, you know, they're free from hopefully their struggles, even though they still have struggles. And I thought, okay, how cool if she would have just been just as excited to go, I'm ready to go into church as well. And I think that just speaks volumes to us as the body of Christ, that what are we doing to prevent them from wanting to go to NA but not wanting to go to church? Right, and that that's a great question that has, um, you can write a book on the answer to that one. I, I think a lot of people have already an idea in their mind that when they go to church, they're going to be judged if they're not all cleaned up already. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing we have to consider is is what what we have a, like a, a public relations problem here. If that is what people think, you know, church is about. Another one is that when you go to church, you often are just sitting there passively, kind of listening and watching, but there's not a participation. You don't see that um, sense of confessional and this is where I'm at and this is where I'm going as a community. It's more like a um, a presentational hour more than a community hour, and that's something you know to consider. But there, there's actually a challenge, but Frederick Beekner talks about it, Dallas Winter talks about it, uh, Philip Yancey talks about it. They all say the similar thing, that if our churches would actually consider the AA model and become more like this kind of experience that people have in AA, our churches will all become healthier. Hmm. Hmm. I know the issue of the identity. I think there, there is something to consider, like, you know, just saying I'm an alcoholic, be like, that may be a description of what you struggle with, but that is not who you are. You're a servant and child of the Most High God. That is who you are. And it is out of that that we actually find our healing from from these addictions and these uh, emotional struggles we have. Well, it goes back, like you said, knowing who you are and who you are in God's eyes and how He sees you and not allowing our circumstances and our choices, the bad choices, to define who we are. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back, and we're going to talk a little bit about Easter coming up and a new book that you have written. We'll be right back with Dale Fincher.
This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. My husband and I have always wanted to plant a new church. After 10 years, God finally affirmed that in us. We thought we were on our own. We never imagined that there was an organization that could partner with us. That's when we got connected with Stadia. They have incredible systems in place to support our family, including a network designed specifically for me, the spouse of a church planner. We could have never done it without Stadia. Stadia brings people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. For more information, go to stadia.cc. Have you been laid off, fired, downsized, right-sized, or re-engineered out of a job? Are you unemployed or anticipate that possibility? Then tune in for Successfully Unemployed, hosted by Alan Sherwood, MBA, president of Sherwood Consulting Service. Successfully Unemployed will provide you a hope-filled and comprehensive approach to the job search process from an author who's experienced it all. Alan and his guests will cover all dimensions of a job search, physical tasks, mental attitude, emotional health, even one spiritual perspective. All must be integrated in order for a person to be successfully unemployed so they can then be successfully employed. This show is designed to help you move forward from job loss to finding or creating more fulfilling work. For more on Alan Sherwood, MBA, and the show, check out his website, SuccessfullyUnemployed.com. Then join us for Successfully Unemployed with Alan Sherwood, MBA. Thursday nights at 8, 7 central here on toginet.com. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. joining our show today and our conversation with Dale Fincher, founder of Solation. And we are talking about choices and living fully human. And Dale, you have a new book that just came out this month. I I saw it on Amazon.com. You can tell us a few other places where we can purchase that book. But talking about, um, well, it's titled Long Live the King, and it goes along with Easter and sharing the significance of, of what Easter is all about and kind of prepping for Easter and making those good choices uh, leading up to how to embrace the moments how of Easter. to embrace the moments of Easter and so share with us uh, the significance of this book yes it is uh, it is called long live the king and we, we, we love the title because that's exactly what Messiah means it means that he is king he's king of Israel king of the earth and the king of kings and in this book we, we track uh, we, we, with Jesus we follow in his footsteps Monday Tuesday Wednesday Thursday Friday then Sabbath on Saturday, moving into the resurrection on Sunday. And it's really a preparation as we get to the cross. Every single day where you're dealing with how Jesus is having to, um, how he's interacting with the people in Jerusalem, how he's being rejected by them, how he's being accepted by them. And, and, and even the suffering and the brokenness Jesus has to experience as he gets all the way there. Now, it's not like a, a gloomy book, let's just sit in all, all the darkness, but you see all this hope radiating through. And what's it like? For Jesus to sit in the Garden of Gethsemane and to pray to his Father, who he feels will not answer this prayer of his. And in that moment, and we reflect a lot on this, is the problem of unanswered prayer. And we, we, deal, we work with that on, that on Thursday in the book. 
when we feel like God is not granting the things that we request, do we have someone who is so close to us and who knows what it's like? And when we look at the life of Jesus, we're like, he knows what it's like to, for, to, to pray and to be unheard or, un, or feeling heard, but knowing it's not being granted to him. And then being betrayed by his close friend and then going to the cross. But the exciting part is when we get to the, the Easter morning. Well, Saturday we're sitting in the, in the, the depths of, uh, of the rest and reflecting on what happened. And then on Sunday morning, the king ascends again and he takes his throne. It's really, it's, it's a beautiful moment. As we lead up to Easter, we don't just want to, um, for me, I don't like just rushing into the Easter morning time or just maybe going to a Good Friday service to make sure we reflected on it or put in our time because it's that time of year again but uh, really taking that whole week to walk with Jesus through this and know that we have the fellowship of his sufferings, as Paul, that the way Jesus suffered are things that we experience in our daily lives, and to know that there is an empty tomb that concludes the sorrow at Golgotha. Hmm. And it really is, um, you, you know, I mean, just, we're kind of sitting here taking that all in, the, the visuals, and um, I was just in January, I was actually there in Israel and kind of taking that all oh. in and sitting in the garden and, and, and truly wanting to have that moment and kind of prepping for it, you know, just to, to be there, to kind of take it all in and, and sitting there and looking across like the Kidron Valley to see what Jesus would have seen when he saw the torches coming at night and he didn't run the other way. He stayed there and he was in that moment. Like you said, he, he prayed that God would take the cup, but, and God didn't answer his prayer the way he wanted it. And that is, it's so it's so good to hear those things sometimes because sometimes we go, God, why aren't you listening? Have you abandoned me? And to know that, you know, you have to just, you pray and then you have to release it to God and let, trust that God has the bigger picture and his will and whatever that looks like and leaning into that instead of running away from that. And Easter is such a beautiful um, example of the talking about being fully human and fully divine, just the humanness and the broken and the suffering of Jesus. And yet his divine, you know, raising from the dead. And like you said, being the king and living and, and I, and it's a a good reminder for us that now like three weeks out from Easter to go, how am I going to go into this Easter season? Really embracing that moment, really understanding my humanness and the divinity of God and how, his story is playing into my story mm-hmm. in, in in life and embracing all that that means. And then how do I go live that out where I can, you know, tell others and make a difference mm-hmm. because of that, the most, the, the greatest thing that's ever happened on the, you know, in our humanness. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, no, it's good. Good for you to, to write that. And just to remind us to, to embrace the moments and for prepping us to, to choose wisely and well, to go into Easter that way. Yeah. And, and that's what you've done with this book, right? Is to, so you can embrace the moments and churches can purchase this and go through it as a whole church. That's right. That's right. And you could go on amazon.com and just type in long live the King and it'll, it'll pop up there. And, and Mark, John, Dale and Jonathan Fincher will be the name. And, um, and churches can buy it too. If they just go to our website at salation.org, there's right at the top of the page, we have a link you can click on it and we have a discount for our churches and, Bible study groups, small groups who would, you know, like to buy, uh, buy them in larger quantities. So we have that all available. And, you know, this ties back into making the right kind of choices. You know, Jesus is sitting here, and he has his face towards, he knows the cross is coming. And even though there's so much coming against him, and even though he feels like, you know, God may not be hearing him, he continues to make the choices that he knows he needs to make. Mm-hmm. But he knows he can make them confidently because God loves him in the midst of all of it. He knows that he cannot fail when God is loving him in the middle of it, and uh, and 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 that 
the evil and the darkness that's coming against him cannot prevail because Jesus is our light and our salvation. And, uh, and the Father's love is with him and tracking with him the whole way, and he goes through it. I mean, the very worst thing that could possibly happen to us on planet Earth, the very worst thing is that we can die. But the gospel is about death being a very small thing in the eyes of God, mm. because he's taken the sting and the blow out of it. You know, I, I've once heard somebody give a description that, you know, even though we all die, it might be like a truck running over us, but because of Christ's death on the cross, it is only the shadow of a truck that drives over us now in death. Because he mm-hmm. takes us and he says, "You will live forever." Because I live, you will live also. And these are just these are the kinds of promises that, when they embed themselves in our soul, they become giant trees that grow out, and the living water that grows out and spills out onto other people. How do you? How does the world keep down somebody who's not afraid to die? Mm-hmm. How does the world? How does the world keep down somebody who's not afraid to stand up for the truth? And uh, you can't. You can lock me in prison. You can burn me at the stake. I mean, look at all the martyrs that stand there and say, look, there's nothing better. This world can offer me nothing better. Mm-hmm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to endure this to the very end. And it makes our living and our dying so much more significant because we know God is with us all the way. And that right there, you just go, how can people not believe? We, we just had a, a niece over the other day and she grew up you know, in a Christian home, and now she's claiming to be agnostic. And I, I go, how in the world can you have experienced the truth and have seen just these examples, that, that exactly what you just described, and then walk mm-hmm. away and go, yeah, not so much. <laughs> yes, I know, I know. Who does that? I, who, 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 know. Yeah, who's willing to die for a cause? Well, there are some people that are willing to die for a cause. Yeah. <laughs> they are. They are. They, they die for them because they think they are true. But uh, when I look at at the scripture and I see this is great good news that um, you have, here here is Jesus who lays his life down willingly, even mm-hmm. though he says, "I'm here to help. I am here to love and be among you people. And even if you kill me, I'm not going to fight back, and I'm not going to uh, sit around and you know tell you all how how bad you are." He's just saying, "I love you." And even if you take me out, I'm going to keep loving you, and I'm going to make you fully human, and I'm here to do that if you would just open yourself up to being set free. Yes. Well, and I take that back, like who dies for a cause. Yes, there's a lot that dies for a cause. <laughs> the difference is the disciples were willing to walk away. I mean, Peter was was willing to deny Christ, you know, he, uh, it wasn't until he they saw him return, then they were willing to stand up and that's where you go, okay, that's a huge difference. Yeah, but, something happened. Yep, that's right. Something happened. Okay, let's go back to your book because of Easter. How How is it set up? Is it like a daily thing, like the last week uh, leading into Easter, you kind of walk it through? How How does it prepare us um, for Easter? Oh, that's great. That's a great question. Uh, we have each day set up according to day, and so it's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then for each day, we have a series of like two or three articles. And with every, every day, there's a passage of Scripture to read, and then the articles reflect on those events that are happening in the life of Jesus that particular day. Then if you turn to the back, there's also discussion questions and study questions. It's set up in the kind of way that if you are a, a very active reader, you know, you'll have a lot to read and enjoy. If you're not as active of a reader, you can read one or two of the articles that day or just the Scripture passages. But not feel like that, you know, you need to, you know, feel badly if you're not getting through the entire book. It's set up so that you can reflect as much or as little each day as you like, and you will, you will get a lot of meat and a lot of inspiration from it. 
So it, it really creates a personal journey for you to kind of go through um, with Easter, just kind of guiding you through some thoughts and some challenges to, so that we don't run into, because it, it is a temptation because Easter is crazy. It's highly commercialized anymore. Huh. And it, it tends you know, the, the world is trying to tell us it really is about bunnies and eggs and, and candy, <laughs> um, which I'm all over the candy part. <laughs> um, but you know, it, it is cause you, it's easy to get caught up in that and what all the, you see around and, and the craziness. And I know as being a pastor's wife, you know, preparing for the services and there's just a lot to do, but we have to remember, you know, really the significance, take time to be still, and, and just embrace truly the significance of the season. I have a girlfriend that's getting off of Facebook throughout this whole month just because she wants to really focus on what Easter really signif- signific- signifies. I <laughs> today. So I, I, that's cool. Of course, you know, it, it kind of, it hit me, and then I thought, nah, I'm not going to do that. But um, obviously, <laughs> I need to work on my heart in, some, in another area. But that's, that's neat to prepare. Yes. Okay, yeah, I so- think it's, it's important. It's important to be intentional, and it's just, it's true of everything in our lives. Things that matter to us, we wanted to create the space around it so that we can really um, live in that moment. You can't live in a moment doing just drive-by ceremonies. You have to mm-hmm. like you know sit in them and consider them and live in them, and that, that's that's what this book you know sets us up for. And it doesn't take long to read. Each article might only take you know four or five minutes, but it's the kind of thing you could read one in the morning, then one at lunch, and one in the evening, and it really will fill your day with the thoughts of what it was like to walk in in the shoes of Jesus, and what does that mean for my life? Well, again, we just want to thank you, Dell, just for joining us today, and, and tell John Lynn we missed her. And um, I will. just appreciate you guys in your ministry of Solation and your new book, Long Live the King, and just the reminder to us about our humanness and our brokenness and how God really meets us where we at, where we're at, and the significance of you know trying not to hide. <laughs> so much mm. from each other and from God. So there's some really great tips that you have left us with. And we just encourage our listeners to go um, prepare really for the Easter season and long live the King is it just a great way that we can all do that. So thank you for joining us this day. And um, again, thanks, how easy is, what's the best way for people to find you? Find us online at solation.org and solation is spelled S O U L like soul. A-T-I-O-N dot O-R-G. And you can come on, find our resources, even set up an appointment to have a one-on-one mentoring session, if you like, to ask live. Well, thank you so much. Enjoy your day and choose wisely. for being a part of this special program girlfriend it the show dedicated to the most important woman you know yourself